And so, well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, if you would. So, there was a pirate, and he bumped into another buddy of his who was a pirate, and they ran into each other on the street. He said, hey, man, I haven't seen you in, the, in a while. What happened? You look horrible. And his friend said, well, what do you mean? I feel fine. He said, well, what about the wooden leg? You never had that. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, we were in a battle. I got hit with a cannonball, but I'm okay now. And he said, oh, okay, well, what about the hook? What happened to your hand? He's like, well, we were in another battle, and I boarded a ship and got in a sword fight. My hand was cut off, but I got this hook. It's really cool, actually. And he said, well, what about the eye patch? And he's like, oh, well, we were at sea one day, and a flock of birds flew over, and I looked up, and one of them pooped in my eye. And he said, well, that wouldn't cause your eye to come out. He's like, well, it was my first day having the hook. And, you know, so. so you know, if you're a pirate, there are expectations, right? If you decide to be a pirate, you kind of take chances with your life, you know, that things are going to happen to your body, and, and it's kind of expected, right? So when hardships come, you just kind of expect it because, you know, hey, I'm a pirate. Uh, as Christians, sometimes we have expectations, and sometimes us pastors are at fault with that. You know, we say, well, you need to come to Jesus and have a relationship with him, and, and life gets better, which it does, right? But that doesn't mean we don't have problems in life. And so sometimes, as Christians, when things don't go our way, we become a little bit disillusioned. And now, uh, it's a really weird word to type. Try typing disillusioned. It's an odd one. Your fingers can't do it. At least mine can't, hardly. But disillusioned means sometimes we get a little jaded. We get a little frustrated with God when things don't go the way that we think they should as Christians. And we understand that we're going to have trouble because Jesus said that, right? He said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. They said, take heart because I've overcome the world. All right? So we understand that sometimes as Christians we have hardships, but that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't get a little bit frustrated. We don't get a little bit disillusioned. And so we're we started a series last week, a message series, which just means we talk about the same thing for a couple weeks. Last week, we talked about what to do when we doubt, because sometimes as Christians, we do have doubts. We don't want to have doubts, but sometimes we do. This week, I want to talk a little bit about what we do when we're disillusioned with God, when we're disillusioned with the church, when we're disillusioned with other Christians. When, uh, and you know, this is a word that really describes our country right now, doesn't it? We're disillusioned with politicians. It seems like they spend more time fighting with themselves than they do being politicians, right? We're disillusioned with this virus. We're so sick of wearing masks and, you know, hand sanitizer. You know, our, our blood counts probably got all kinds of alcohol in it because we got so much sanitizer on our hands, right? Uh, you know, it's, we're, we're just kind of, as a country right now, as a church right now, we're just a little bit disillusioned. And so sometimes God's plan doesn't make sense to us, right? If we're honest, there are times in life where being a Christian is great and God's plan is awesome and we love it and we're excited. And there's other times where it's just a little bit harder. And where we're going to pick up today, the disciples have been walking around with Jesus and the disciples are in a really good place because they're hanging out with Jesus who is a celebrity now. Everybody's following Jesus because he's doing miracles. You know, he's raising people from the dead. He's multiplying bread and fish. You know, people are like, my budget's going to be awesome because I don't have to buy bread if I can just figure out this trick, you know. And they're following Jesus around, and they're wanting him to do more miracles. And Jesus starts telling his disciples things like, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to have to be killed. You know, and the, 
the disciples are a little upset because they think Jesus is the Messiah, which he is. But their idea of a Messiah is a what? A, a military ruler who's going to come in and take over and he's going to kick Rome out and they're not going to occupy Israel anymore. That's their idea of a Messiah. And Jesus says, no, no, no. The Messiah came to give his life as a ransom for many. And they don't get it. So we're going to pick up here in Matthew chapter 16. In verse 13, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, he's talking to him, and Jesus finally kind of just says things plainly. It says, when they, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And he said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say one of the prophets. Am I in the right spot? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm in the wrong spot. All right. Sorry, my brain's a little tired. I'm just going to read off the screen. How about that? So he warned the disciples not to tell anybody he was the Messiah. From then on, he began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he'd be raised from the dead. Now what? Wait a minute, Jesus. You're the one who's going to deliver us from the Romans. How can you die? And how can you be raised from the dead? Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me. What? Satan. Ouch, right? You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. I was supposed to be down to verse 20. That's where I'm at. Sorry, I didn't get all asleep. I've been at this men's encounter. You know what eight men in a room sounds like? Sleeping? Chainsaws and surround sound even with earplugs like i could hear my pulse in my ear and i could hear snoring so i didn't get a lot of sleep i came home last night and slept so it was better the guys are like you really need to leave tonight and i was like yes i do <laughs> so what do we do okay so jesus tells peter this is god's plan for the messiah and peter said no you can't do that and then jesus called him satan because he was being adversarial to his plan and then he said what? This last line, you are seeing things from a what? Human point of view, not from God's. So guys, what do we do when we are disillusioned, when God's plan doesn't seem to make sense? Well, the first thing is we have to try to look at things from God's perspective. Jesus told Peter, you're looking at things from a human perspective, not from God's. You're not looking at things the way we do. So we must realize that God sees things differently than we do. Guys, God sees things differently. God sees things from his point of view, not from ours. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So guys, when it seems like, we talked about last week, when it seems like God is silent, when it seems like God is not working, that does not mean God is not present. It does not mean God doesn't care. It means that he is working in the background, and we don't necessarily see it. And he says here, my ways are higher. In other words, you don't see things the same way I do. How many of you remember when your kids were babies taking them to get shots? Anybody remember that? Was that fun? It was awful, right? And they give you that look like, why are you doing this to me? Because I always say, parents, hold your kids down. They're like, throw me under the bus. Thank you. And I remember when my son, Josiah, was like a year old. We went to get his one-year shots, and we were living in Colorado at the time. 
And in Missouri, where we live, when my daughter got her shots, they would just do one at a time, right? Well, in Colorado, they said, we have this new method. It's awesome. You're going to hold your kid down like this, and we're going to give all four shots at once and all four limbs. And it's just one poke, and they're done. I was like, no, it's still four pokes. And they said, no, this is great. And so they come in there, and Amy's like, I can't even look. I can't look. And she, like, turns around, and we hold them. And they jab him all four times, and he screams like you would not believe. And it gives me this look like, why are you doing this to me? And you know, try to explain it to a one-year-old. No, this is for your long-term good, you know. <laughs> so you don't get polio and have to be in a, you know, you don't, he didn't care. He was just saying, this hurts, and you did it to me. And he was mad at me all afternoon, like wouldn't even look at me, and it was bad. But why do we do that? Because we know it's for their good. And I know some of you don't believe in vaccines. That's okay. But we understand that we're trying to do things for their best. Guys, God sometimes allows things to happen in our lives that we don't understand. And it's for our good. That's why he told Peter, you're looking at things from your point of view, but sometimes I have to allow things. I have to go through things that don't necessarily make sense. So we have to understand he sees the end from the beginning. Guys, God sees all of time. He created time. He's not constrained by time. So sometimes when it seems like he's taking forever to work, God's saying, sometimes I work over years. Sometimes I work over generations. Because I know I had a family member that didn't know Christ. And as soon as I became a Christian, I started praying for them. And I prayed, guys, I prayed for 20 years. And they finally came to Christ. But it took 20 long years of me praying and praying and talking to them inviting him to things and all this stuff and they finally came to christ and i'm like thank you and to god that was this right because time is different for him and he had to set things in place he knew what had to happen and it was that person's choice whether they wanted to receive him or not but we have to understand guys sometimes we go through suffering we say god why sometimes we come out on the other end and say oh i see (laughs) other times we say that was still terrible i don't understand it well we have to trust him i have to understand that He sees things differently, and we have to realize that he has a plan. He has a plan. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 5. It'll also be on the screen here. I know this is the right passage. Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. And this is one of my favorite Old Testament passages, and you're saying you're weird. That's okay. But, all right, so... In Joshua, remember, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, and then he died. And so Joshua takes over command of like a million people as a young man. He leads them across the Jordan River. The river stops flowing. They cross. I mean, they see this incredible miracle. And the first place they come to in the promised land is Jericho. It's this huge city with these huge thick walls with guards perched on top of the walls. And Joshua is sitting there thinking, okay, now what do I do? And so he's out walking around at night, like some of us do, and we're frustrated and we're, we're praying. So Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says, When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. So if you see that, you're thinking, is this guy going to try to kill me? Or is he going to give me information? What's going on? So he says, are you a friend or foe? Other translations say, are you for us or for our enemies? And what does he say? Neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? And he says, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So 
anytime an angel or someone says, take off your shoes, what does that mean? God is there. This is what we call a theophany. This was God showing up as a person to talk to Jericho, and he said, are you for me or for them? And he said, what? Neither. God is on God's side. God has his own plan. And so God knows what needs to happen. God has a plan, and God's plan is going to happen. And so the plan that he tells Joshua is, okay, get everybody and walk around the walls once a day for seven days. On the seventh day, walk around seven times and yell, and the walls will fall down. Joshua's like, that's not in any of the military manuals I've read. I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. They're going to laugh at us, you know. We're <laughs> so, so tell people, okay, our great plan to take the city is to walk in circles and then yell, right? But what happened? They were obedient, and it happened. So we understand that God has a plan. God is working on God's plan, and sometimes God's plan doesn't make sense to me. God's plan doesn't make sense to us because we don't see things the way God does, and we don't know what God's plan is. Sometimes God's plan is to give us great times and sunshine and happy squirrels and all these things, right? And sometimes God's plan is to go through what does Psalm 23 say? The valley of the shadow of death. The darkest valley. Sometimes God's plan is to take us through hardship because on the other side, like James says, it produces perseverance. And it produces character. We have a generation of people, we call them the greatest generation. The, the generation that lived through wars and stock market crashes and all these things. Why do they have such incredible character? Because they went through so much hardship. Why are they able to, you know, we had a guy, I won't say his name, but uh, we have a guy that I really look up to. He was our volunteer fire department rescue chief for years and years and years and years and years. And he was a combat veteran. He was a combat medic in Vietnam. So anything that happened, he could literally say, I've seen worse. I mean, you could have somebody with both legs cut off, laying there in a puddle. He's like, ah, you'll be fine. I've seen worse, right? Because he has. Because he's seen things and he was unshakable. Because he'd been through all this stuff, and it built character, and it built perseverance, and it built trust, right? And so sometimes God allows us to go through stuff that he sees, and we know that his plan is the best. We know that his plan is the best. He's got a plan. He sees things differently, and we trust that his plan is the best. Joshua says, okay, we'll do it. You know, I'm going to look like an idiot, but I'm going to blame it on you. And they walk around, and the walls fall down, and they take the city, and then everybody else is terrified of the Israelites. And they take the land, right? Most of it, until they gave up. So we have to trust that God's plans are the best. So guys, some of you right now are in the middle of an incredible hardship. Sometimes our incredible hardships are things that we had no control over. Things were done to us. Things happened to us that we had no control. Sometimes our hardships are because of choices we've made. I can't tell you how many times I've suffered and said, God, why? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, because I made a really stupid choice, right? But even through the good choices, the bad choices, God is still with us. And if we hold on to him and trust in him, his plan is the best, even if it sometimes involves suffering. So we have to know that. And then, so we have to realize that we have to step back and try to look at things from God's perspective. And then we have to check our intentions. Why am I wanting this to happen? Peter says, Jesus, there's no way I'm going to allow you to go to the cross. And Jesus said, you're not looking at things the right way. Jesus explained the Father's plan for the Messiah. And he explained that the Father's plan for the Messiah was to what? 
suffer and die for our sin. Did that plan make sense? No. Generations later, looking back from the other side, we can see, yeah, God had to do that to cover our sins. There had to be a perfect sacrifice because I'm going to make all kinds of boneheaded decisions, right? I'm going to sin. And God knew that, and he had to put this in place. But to Peter and the disciples, they're thinking, no, this is good. (laughs) People love you. The Romans are really freaked out about the things you're doing. This is great. You can kick the Romans out of our land. We can have our temple back. We can have sacrifices again. And Jesus said, no, there's just one sacrifice. And it's going to be me. This is a total flip. And Jesus had a habit of doing that, flipping things on their head. If you want to be the greatest, you must be the servant. If you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to be great in the Father's kingdom, you have to be like a child. If someone hits you, don't hit them back. Forgive. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus did this all the time. And he's saying, no, my plan is not to come in and kick the Romans out. My plan is to die for your sins and allow you to have a relationship with the Father. And then someday, my kingdom will be built, right? The way I want it. And sometimes we get disillusioned with God's plan. Some of you are here today and you're saying, I'm really disillusioned. I'm really frustrated with God right now. I don't understand. We have to trust him. We have to trust that his plans are better than ours. We have to plan that good will come from this someday. We can't give up in the middle. If any of you have ever started a fitness program, you know, the beginning, you're like, woohoo! About a weekend, you're like, what am I doing? I hurt. I can't even get off the toilet. My legs hurt so bad, right? <laughs> you have to roll out of bed and land on the floor and then get up, right? We understand that. But then if you look at the end, you say, what? Totally worth it, right? It's not fun. And sometimes, you know, you have a picture of your trainer and you're just like, ugh. Like, this is just my motivation to get out of bed, right? And so we have to understand that the plan is good. We have to trust that. But Peter was unwilling to accept this plan. Peter was unwilling to accept it. No, you can't do that. This is good. We're next to the guy who's in power, which makes us powerful. This is great. And Peter's intentions might have been really good, right? No, Jesus, I don't want you to suffer. No, Jesus, I don't want that to happen to you. I'm never going to allow that to happen to you. Peter's plans could have been a little bit selfish. Jesus is a celebrity. I'm a celebrity's friend. This is great. People look up to us. Things are going well. Sometimes our plans, you know, we're saying, God, I want you to do this, and our plans may not necessarily be his. Our intentions may not necessarily be his intentions sometimes we want things just because we want to be comfortable right i remember one time when amy and i were young married we had both kids and we were poor man we were just poor and a lot of it was because of our bad choices we had made earlier in life we were paying for and so i kept praying god please provide for me please provide for us we need money and then i walked into a store to rent a movie and the lady said hey you want a job And I went, no, God, that's not what I wanted. I didn't want another job. I just wanted you to put money in my bank account, right? And I got another job, and I worked at night a couple nights a week, and and it was good. It was a great thing. You know, it gave us opportunities to talk to people about Jesus, and people in the church would see me checking them out, and they would drop movies and slide them underneath they didn't want me to see. I mean, it was good, right? God's plan was different than mine, but in the end, it was great. And so God, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, no, no, no. You have to be willing to accept my plan, even though it doesn't make sense to you. He called him Satan. 
What is Satan? The enemy. He said, you're not looking at things the way God is. You're looking at things from a worldly point of view. If you remember, those of you that know Scripture, if you remember when King David was anointed king of Israel, he was the very last one picked. God sent the prophet, and he said, this family is the one that the king's going to come from, and he went to the tallest, handsomest one. Nope. Next one, nope, 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 nope. Do you have any other kids? Well, yeah, I got one, but he's out watching the sheep. <laughs> Go get him. Yeah, that's the one, the last one picked. So guys, God's plan is often different than ours, and we have to accept that. And, and so we see that Jesus revealed Peter's misguided thinking. He revealed that Peter wasn't looking at things the right way. And guys, I can't tell you how many times I personally have short-circuited what God wanted to do in my life because I didn't want to go through some suffering. I didn't want to put in the hard work. And sometimes we do that to ourselves, and then we blame God, and other times other people short-circuit it for us. How many of you have said, you know, you tell your friends, I'm going to, or your family, I'm going to like really follow God this year. I'm going to really dig in and, and I'm going to be at church and I'm going to read the word and I'm going to stop watching this show. And, you know, and then what do they say? Uh, it's a phase that'll pass. Or do you really want to do that? Are you, are you really willing to give up this friendship for that? Are you really willing to end this relationship because you know it's not good for you? Are you really, are you? And so sometimes we short-circuit it. Sometimes other people, even sometimes with good intentions, short-circuit it. So we have to be willing to trust God's plan, even if it doesn't make sense. Even when we're disillusioned, we have to be willing to accept that. So we have to, you know, we have to look at things from God's perspective to try to. We have to check our intentions to make sure our intentions are right. And then we have to resolve to follow his plan. I have to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow your plan even when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to follow your plan for my life even when it means going through suffering. I want to follow your plan even if it doesn't make sense to me. Even, even, even. So if we want to live life to the fullest, if we really want to have a relationship with Jesus that's amazing, we have to be willing to deny ourselves. That's what Peter or Jesus kept telling the disciples over and over if you really want to find life, you have to lay yours down. He said, you need to take up your cross every day and follow me. And, you know, to us, we think, oh, I've got a cross necklace. That's cool. No, Jesus was talking about dying to yourself. A cross was a symbol of death at that time. We have to be willing to die to our dreams. We have to be willing to take some risks. Sometimes we have to lay down our own ideas, our own agendas to accomplish it. And it's totally countercultural. I love this quote. Scott Dudley, he's a pastor of uh, Bellevue Christian Church in Bellevue, Washington. He says this, We have created today the most risk-averse society in history. We're the most seat-belted, bike-helmeted, airbag, knee-pad-wearing, private school, gluten-free, hand-sanitized, peanut-avoiding, sunscreen-slathering, hyper-insured, massively-medicated, password-protected, valet-parked, security-system-inoculated generation in history. And all it's done is make everyone more afraid of everything. right? And I do it too. I tell my kids, if you're going to ride a bike, wear a helmet. I don't want you driving out of a straw the rest of your life, right? If you're going to ride in the car, you put on your seatbelt because I've drugged too many dead bodies out of cars on rescue calls, right? We do that because we have great intentions. But guys, sometimes we have to be willing to allow risk in our lives for Jesus. 
I remember when I was a youth pastor, I would take kids to Mexico on mission trips, way down in Mexico. And parents are always like, and then they'd pray about it and say, okay, it's worth the risk to let my kid go. And we always brought them back. Everyone came back. Some came back a lot lighter because they didn't listen to us and drink the water. But we made it, right? But it was totally worth the risk because they grew, they ministered, they did things, right? Most of us remember on kids, you know, playgrounds were different back in the day, right? It was metal over concrete. You know, you fall off, you bust your head, you get stitches, and you go back. I mean, that was just how life was. I remember the big metal slides. And you come off with like third degree burns down your legs and you leave skin on the slide, you know. Today, we, we alleviate every risk we can. And guys, sometimes I think it's keeping us from taking risks for Jesus. Sometimes God's saying, I want you to give this amount. And you think, well, I can't because it's going to come into my Netflix and my Starbucks and my scooters and all these things, right? And he's saying, I want you to take a risk. Sometimes God's saying, I want you to step out and do this ministry. I want you to work with teenagers or kids, or I want you to go on this missions trip to France or to Madagascar or wherever. And we say, they have weird diseases over there and they eat snails and I don't want to do that, you know, and whatever. So we need to be willing to, to say, God, I am in. And to live life to the fullest, we have to die daily. Die daily. What does that mean? It means I have to get up in the morning and say, Lord, let your will be done in my life today. What did Jesus pray right before he went to the cross? He went to the garden and he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he said, God, if you can take this cup of suffering from me, please do it. I don't want to go to the cross, but nonetheless, let your will be done. And so, guys, we have to get up and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you today, even if it doesn't make sense. I'm going to follow you today. I'm going to lay down my agenda Jim Elliott, he was a missionary to Ecuador. He went down and ended up dying in Ecuador. Like, they killed him. The people he went to minister to killed him. Now, I'm not saying go down and die. Please understand that. I'm not saying that. But listen to his journal. He says, in his diary, it says, He is no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Man is no fool to give up what he can't keep to get what he can't lose. What was he saying? I'm willing to give my life to Christ. I'm willing to follow him all the way because I know in doing that, I'm gaining eternal life, right? I'm gaining God's plan for my life. I'm gaining what he wants from me. So we have to die daily to ourselves and we have to to live life to the fullest. We have to accept his plan. Not just say, yeah, I'm going to do it. We have to actually accept it into our lives. So what does it mean to accept his plans? I'm saying, Lord, I want to live according to your plan for me. I want to have everything you want for me. That means I'm going to give up my ideas. I'm going to give my kids to you. That's one of the hardest things. You know, I was a youth pastor for eight years, nine years, Amy and I were, and we took kids on trips all over the place. And now when my kids go on a trip, I'm like, you know, I put them in the van, I pray over them. Like, I'm trusting Pastor Kenny and Adrian with my kids now, right? I'm doing the same thing I asked parents to do all those years. I'm like, let me take your kid into the middle of Mexico. Woo! You know? And now we have to do that. We have to be willing to accept his plan for my life. I have to be willing to accept his plan for my kids, right? I have to be willing to accept his plan for my finances. I have to be willing to accept his plan for my career. 
we have to trust him in every aspect because we can't compartmentalize saying jesus you take control of my life i can't compartmentalize that so you have all this but i'm going to keep this it doesn't work that way i'd be willing to say you know what lord i want everything you want for me that's why peter had to say okay lord you do god's plan and i'm going to follow it even when it doesn't make sense that's why joshua had to say okay i'm gonna walk around the city and yell see if the walls come down even if it doesn't make sense and guys sometimes that means we have to give up bad things sometimes it means we have to give up good things for better things right i have to give up the good for the better you know yeah this relationship might be good but i want a relationship that's better this job might be good but god i know you're saying there's something that's better i know this plan is good but i'm going to give it up for something better so don't hold too tightly so i'm going to ask the worship team to come up today and if you're physically able would you stand up this morning you guys that are at home would you stand up there's nothing magical about standing it just helps us think better keeps us from falling asleep so where we come to you this morning and we're looking into your word and Lord, I know there are some of us here today, there's some watching from home who are disillusioned. Lord, we got into this thing to follow you, and, and we're in it, we're doing it, we're following you, but sometimes, God, your plans don't make sense to us. And we know it's because we can't see things the way you do. We can't see the end from the beginning. Sometimes we're in the middle of hardships, and it seems like it doesn't make sense. And instead of giving up, Father, help us to trust all the way through. Father, even when, when things happen, when, when things are hurtful, God, when things are difficult, let us follow you all the way. And so, Lord, there are some of us here today who just say, you know, I really want to see things from your perspective. I want to back off and, and see things the way you do. There are some of us here today who say, you know what, Lord, I, just, I need to check my intentions. I'm coming to this thing and I've got some things I'm holding on to that I really need to let go of. Some of us here, and we just need to say, you know what, Lord, I'm willing to die to myself daily. I'm willing to die to my agendas. I'm willing to die to my ideas and have yours. And so if you'll just close your eyes this morning and just shut yourself in with God a little bit. Just close yourself in and allow him to speak to you. Allow him to poke at areas in your life and, and maybe point out some things. And before we do that, I just want to ask if there's anyone here today who says, you know, Pastor Rex, I've never really started a relationship with Christ. I've never, I've never accepted that forgiveness. I know I've got mistakes. I know I have sins. I, I know that. I could list them to you right now, but I've never accepted his forgiveness. I've never really started a personal relationship with Christ, and I want to do that today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right where you're at? So what we're going to do, because I can't see the people at home online, so what we're going to do is we're going to pray this together. And this is just a prayer you talking to Jesus. This isn't magical. You guys watching at home, this isn't like a chant. This is just you talking to the Lord and just admitting your failures and saying, God, I need your forgiveness. So would you guys all pray this with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your incredible love that I could never deserve that I could never earn. And I admit that I've messed up. I've sinned. Please forgive me for that. I accept you into my life. 
I make you my king. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Bible says if you prayed that prayer, that Christ has made you a brand new person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says the old stuff is gone, the new is here. You're brand new. And that's an amazing thing. If you did that, would you catch one of us after church and just talk to us? If you're on Facebook or YouTube, just send us a message. Now, here's the thing. You can open your eyes now because you, you prayed about this. Some of you here and you say, you know what? I just need to see things from God's point of view. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? We're just going to pray with you right where you're at. I just need to look at things from his point of view. Some of us say, you know what? I need to check my intentions because I'm holding on to some stuff that I really don't need to hold on to and I won't let it go. And I want to do that. I want to let go. If that's you, all right. How many of you say, you know, I just need to work on dying to myself. <laughs> I want to lay down my agendas. I want to follow his plans even when they don't make sense. All right, let's pray. Father, I just pray for all these today that raise their hands. And God, I pray you'd help us today to look at things from your point of view, to trust you even when it doesn't make sense, even when we're disillusioned, when we're frustrated. Father, help us to check our intentions. And Lord, if there's things we're holding on to that we need to let go to you, let us let go of those things. Lord, if we need to lay down our lives and our agendas and our purposes and just trust you and we're having a hard time, God, would you help us with that? Because we're all here. We want to, we dedicate ourselves to follow you. Lord, would you help us to do that today? In Jesus' name, amen.